Welcome to Cover Girls, Drinking and Overthinking, in which we take a story we love and analyze how well it was adapted. I'm Chris. I'm Kristen. And I'm Allison. Join us as we meticulously pick apart our favorite stories until no stone is left unturned. It'll be bookish. It'll be boozy. It'll be bantersome. And it won't be boring. So grab a drink and get ready to overthink. Let's dig in. Welcome to the final episode of Holes the Movie. So excited to close this out and talk about some big overarching themes and it's just going to be a really good time. Um, We're going to dive right in. So Chris, what are you drinking? I am still drinking a Diet Cherry Coke. Love! (laughs) I've switched. Um, I am drinking, well, in the same vein, Diet Dr. Pepper which is a thoroughly Texan drink themed appropriately. Yes. Kristen, we are on the same page. I'm having a regular Dr. Pepper. And the reason I'm having it, so I've I've finally sobered up, listeners. I'm finally having (laughs) a non-alcoholic drink. And the reason I chose Dr. Pepper is that when I was a kid working on the ranch with my dad, he would reward me for my hard labor by having a cold Dr. Pepper ready for me. So we would bring an ice chest out to uh, the cattle shoots and it would be like, hey, on our break, once you've done a good, hard job, you get a cold Dr. Pepper, Allison. And it just made me so happy. The best possible reward for anything. Like if somebody pays me in soda now, we're good friends. That's Mm -hmm. good. That's what Big Red always makes me think of that. Because back in the day, I was a Big Red You were a big, person, big Red. And yeah, I loved it. And yeah, so that's what I always got at cattle shipping time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know we want to we jump right in. Uh, because we are not very quick at this. Nope. Turns <laughs> not out. Not at all. Um, but so I spent uh, the pre-recording time, our, our prep time, looking up the trivia on IMDb for this movie. And there is a lot that we will discuss later once we get into comparisons between the book and the movie. To be honest, I think for this particular source material, it's not going to be too different because they're both written by the same person. But there were two things that I thought were particularly interesting. One was we discussed in our first episode that we we feel it's probably implied that the Yelnats family is Jewish. Uh, whereas, interestingly, I, I don't know if Shia LaBeouf is, is Jewish, but somebody who actually is Jewish is the guy who played Zero, whose name is Cleo Thomas. He actually had his bar mitzvah during shooting. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. The other thing that I thought was very interesting and relevant to this is the author of the book, Lewis Sacker. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He was in the movie. Do y'all want to throw out like one quick guess as to who he might've been? He was a a very, he had one teeny tiny line. He was a side character. He's an adult, I'm guessing. Yes, he's an adult, an older man. Hmm. I'm going to guess immediately a flashback. Maybe he's one of- Okay, so maybe he's one of uh, Trout's cohorts. Okay, Chris. Hmm. So my guess is there was one more person that I could tell working at the camp, and it was the person serving the food. 
Mm. And it was a man. Oh, yeah. The older black guy. Uh-huh. All very good guesses. No. It was the bald man that Sam sells the onion juice to and says, ma'am, if you rub this on his head, his hair will grow back smooth and luscious as Mary Lou's mane. He's the guy who goes, my hair or my head or something like that. So that, yeah, that's Lewis Saker. Lewis Saker. Oh, that's cool. I also learned that he, I don't know if y'all ever read this, but he also was the author of Sideways Stories from Wayside School, which I read. I don't know if y'all did. It's about like this really weird school where like things are wacky and weird all the time. And I no, I've I guess nobody else it. has read that, but uh, yeah, that was... I haven't heard of it. Anyway, I learned that. So cool. Yeah. So let's jump ahead. I think we left off when Caveman steals the truck. Yes, he is off. Mm-hmm. Caveman is on his journey now. I'm so excited to get to this final quarter this of the, the book. This is the meat. You are not wrong. Mm-hmm. So he finds a uh, caveman finds zero under Sam's boat, the Mary Lou. And caveman says they should go back to camp. Zero's not about it. And he introduces sploosh. What are your thoughts? I mean, food poisoning. That's, <laughs> that's my <laughs> first thought. <laughs> My first thought was, and I I remember thinking this as a kid and doubly so as an adult, them young little baby boys drinking out of those sharp edges. They are definitely drinking broken glass. Yes. I couldn't help but think this constantly as I watched them enjoy this supposedly delicious sploosh. I was like, you have broken glass in your mouth. I'm yeah, sure like, yes. yeah, they 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 don't include in the movie the Joker smiles that the two of them definitely have from drinking this thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So we're supposed to understand that this is peaches and onions, I think, right? And Are it there contains, onions? yeah. It's, or oh, actually, no, no. You're right. Actually, it's not. It's not peaches and onions. It's just her spiced peaches. Is That's it what just the, with him? Okay, it's mm-hmm. just the peaches. Yeah, it's just the okay. peaches. And it, we're also meant to understand that it's got enough nutrients and hydration. <laughs> so, okay. So my point is, <sighs> if this jar does not have onions in addition to the peaches, how does it stay preserved? It's it's spiced peaches and they're canned. I mean, canning was different back then than it is now. You know, you don't have like pressurized canning. I'm sure uh-huh. it was done over the stove or not. Well, over a hearth or whatever you would call it <laughs> back then. Um, so she, you know, canned items, canned fruits, vegetables, they can last a long time if they're canned properly. I don't think they can last 150 years. I could be wrong. Was it a hundred? Can we nail this down? Is it a hundred years or 150 years? Because I was a little fuzzy. I guess 150 years would be how long, Stanley's family has been under a curse. So that's longer mm-hmm. than Kate's storyline. If they're in the 1880s, I mean, that's what we determined from the motorboat. That we right. think, yeah. Yeah. Losing it. yeah. I was thinking 1850, 1880. It's difficult to say. So we're somewhere in that 100 to 150 years range. Yeah. I'm not sure where. They they throw out various numbers. Sometimes it's 150. Sometimes it's 100. I'm actually going to see how long canned. While you look it up, um, I noticed that Zero's been gone one day, one day, 24 hours, maybe slightly more, 
but he ate like 10 jars of sploosh. He's Did a grown notice? boy. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a lot. I would be sick. Well, I was going to say, no wonder thing. that he Whole jars. Up yeah. 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 Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't even talk about the stomach, the other kinds of stomach issues they would have just from <laughs> eating those jarred peaches and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I mean, no toilet out there. Just good Oof. luck. Did you find an answer, Chris? Yeah. So it says that most shelf stable foods are safe indefinitely. If okay. uh, it says canned foods will last for years, as long as the can itself is in good condition, no rust, dents, or swelling. Look. <laughs> okay. I, I do also have to those, throw out those here. Those are in the heat, too. That's what I was They're about not, to say. These are in a desert. They're not in the yeah. cellar. Yeah. They're not in a cellar. They're not being kept in ideal conditions. These are not good anymore. But we ignore that, obviously, yeah. and- Enjoy our sploosh. So Caveman sees God's thumb. It gives him hope to keep going. He wanted to go back to camp, but once he sees God's thumb, he's like, oh, this is something that my family's always talked about. Maybe we could find a refuge on God's thumb. So they start to climb the mountain. And y'all, that looks daunting. That that was much more daunting than I remembered as a child. I don't know why. I was thinking of just like a little low mountain that they, you know, climbed up very casually. They were, they were literally mountain climbing. I mean, Ah. rock climbing. They, they were, I will say it's interesting that you say that because my remembrances were pretty much the opposite as somebody who has done a, a decent amount of bouldering and rock climbing as an adult. My remembrances of that was, it was physically impossible for them to get up there without the help of movie magic of movie magic. And now watching it back, I'm like, okay, now I see that is doable. Maybe not for children, but that it was more doable. I remembered it being completely impossible. It still looked impossible to me oh, to be it's honest, still... as an adult. Oh yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. And, not and, without and, equipment. And yeah. we're just, again, like, we're just going to say this. This is the last time I'll say this. All these people are dead. By any stretch of the physical universe, <laughs> they are all dead. Yes. Yes. There's no way that you get through that. Even just sitting there without food and water, you're going to die. Totally. They're close to death and zero. Uh, caveman's going to die. He's falling off the cliff. Zero saves him, hands him the shovel. Or wait, no. Zero's grabbing the head of the shovel. Yep caveman has the handle yep and obviously zero's hands get demolished Mm -hmm. and i thought this was another interesting moment of caveman celebrating something cool they did together like we're related Mm. and then zero's like you don't understand me my hands are cut up he's got like stigmata almost caveman is like oh we did it you got me thank you bro we're so related and Zero's like, it's not cool, dude. Look at my hands. Just like the moment from the letter where they're talking about uh, Lainey Park. And he's like, oh, I used to sleep under the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot to throw out there just in that that particular sequence that it's noticeable that Hector has never even heard this nursery rhyme because, you know, he had a mom, but she probably was too busy prostituting. Or whatever it was, or whatever she drugs, was doing, whatever, whatever she had to do to yeah. tell in nursery rhymes. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, because of that, 
he accidentally has to, because his hands are so cut up, he can't climb anymore. And Caveman has to pick him up and carry him, thereby fulfilling the prophecy, the mm-hmm. the destiny, the curse, breaking the curse. And of course, y'all are all musical people. I'm sure you noticed that at this point in the soundtrack, the soundtrack turns into the little nursery rhyme mm-hmm. that Caveman has been taught to sing. If only, if only. If only, if only, if only. I was trying to look in the words for some kind of like actual meaning to it, and I don't know that there is any. I think it's just a nonsense nursery rhyme. I didn't find any meaning either, personally. No. We go back to the boys at camp, and they say, maybe he found Zero, and they're both alive. And Zigzag hits us with a hard truth. Like, this is just way too heavy for this movie. I love it. I'm not judging it. But he says, yeah, and maybe my mom will stop drinking and my dad will come home. So... That that was brutal, but it shows us what most of the home life is like for each of these children that are in this yeah. camp. I mean, they come for. I mean, most of them are not like Stanley. Most of them don't have a stable, loving family that you know doesn't have to live paycheck to paycheck every week. They have rough home life. I mean, Zero obviously does, and even his is worse than everyone else's because he's a ward of the state. He doesn't really have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it hit pretty, pretty hard. It made you kind of take a, a look at all the other kids and consider what you don't know about them. It definitely hits home that the only reason, like you said, Stanley's home life is so different from all these other people. And it emphasizes the fact that the only way his life could even come close to theirs was by this supernatural element. That's how bad their lives are, is it took supernatural bad luck to bring his life down to theirs so they Mm -hmm. could all end up in the same place. I want to point out a moment that I absolutely... Oh, unless we wanted to talk more about that scene. No, we need to keep rolling. Go ahead. Yes. I wanted to point out something really sweet that I, I just love moments of organic chemistry between actors. And there is that scene when caveman is like really he's he's really like pulling zero zero is basically dead weight at this point and zero throws up falls down starts to roll down the mountain and caveman grabs him but you know he's got this he's got very thick curly afro hair and it gets like briefly caught in a bush when he stops Mm -hmm. which is obviously not something that was supposed to happen and shia labeouf takes the minute to like untangle his hair from the bush before he lifts him up and it was just such a a sweet moment of like actors instincts but also the care that these two young boys had for each other at that moment it was very intimate Mm-hmm. It showed, yes, exactly, the level of care that he was taking with Zero. I, I thought it was beautiful. I completely agree. Uh, that did, it It seemed to me like a moment that wasn't scripted. I'm pretty sure I don't think that it was scripted. his hair was not meant to get caught up in the bush. And that seemed like Shia LaBeouf generally, like, or genuinely, not generally, genuinely, like, caring for the actor who plays Zero and being like, oh, let me get your hair out of this bush. I, I really liked it. I, I And listen, I think we can all agree the man seems to have some personal problems, but he, especially as a young actor, he had such good instincts on camera. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. He he's one of the most talented actors I've ever seen. I don't know if y'all have watched Peanut Butter Falcon. I've heard great things. Man. You've told me about that. I I, I yeah. have it on my list. I want to see it. And it's heartwarming. So I I encourage you to watch it. But I mean, he is just so so good in that. And I mean, like you said, he has personal issues. I my understanding is that he's trying really hard to work through them. I think he is and be a better I, person. I want to tie this tie. I think there's a really good way to tie this back to holes, which is another movie in which he explores all of his issues is honey boy, which I have not seen to be fair, but I know that he it's about him playing his own father and the issues that he had to deal with there. Looking through the trivia. I didn't bring this up because it bummed me out to be honest with you, but now it's, now it's relevant Sigourney Weaver has gone on the record saying that she purposefully avoided Shia LaBeouf on the set of this movie, not because she didn't like him, but because his father made her so uncomfortable by hitting on her several times. Oh, wow. His his father mm. is or was, I don't know if he's still alive, but a not good person. I mean, that's where his issues come from. It breaks my, it really is set. Like we're talking about this poor boy going through all these things, not because of a, a sad home life, but it's, it's really sad how much of that gets mirrored in real life. Isn't it? So Zero, like you said, throws up and falls and now Caveman has to carry him up the mountain. So he um, kind of completes this uh, circle. We've been looking for the completion of this. He finally carries Zeroni up the mountain and they find water which they haven't had in two days mm -hmm. like that must be horrible Wait, to okay. actually not have water what, is, what is the timeline of this though okay so i'm pretty sure zero leaves he's gone for one whole day before caveman yes because because he does sleep and caveman goes the next day to get him and then i think they make it up the mountain um close to 24 hours after caveman finds zero so not a full 24 hours but i think it's almost two days when they okay, make it see, up there for zero. Where, because they where, say, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask, where did they spend the night? Did they, when Stanley joined zero? See, this is the thing. I don't think they do because he looks at the thumb and he says, we got to get, at some point he says, we got to get right. up there before nightfall. So they spend a whole, so, yeah, that's right. They spend a whole day going up there and then him and Hector make it up there in the dark. So basically caveman left like in the morning in the a.m hours and by okay. the time they get up there it's the end of the day so okay, okay. that makes sense yeah so yeah, so, yeah. so so hector has been fully without water for at least 24 hours oh a day and a half at least a day, a day and, and a half, half for him he always had his sploosh yeah yes uh which now makes sense to me why he would drink so much of it because he might just be parched he's mm -hmm. drinking the sploosh because it has some you know some hydration liquid. in it yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I believe we jump back to the to the camp with uh with Sigourney Weaver having just had a, a visit from the Yelnats's lawyer. Is that right? Uh not yeah. yet. So hold on, hold on. I just wanna uh, touch on something. So they find the water and onions, and first of all, the water is so muddy. I oh I remembered that very clearly. <laughs> oh, that I was yeah. even as a kid, I was like, I don't wanna drink that. Yeah. But as an adult, you know, you don't Disgusting, care. but it's water. Yeah. And they are eating raw onions, which supposedly are incredibly sweet. Like, they're supposed to be good onions. But did y'all notice, maybe this comes along later. I guess it does. But I'm just remembering. They do a cut to the onions later. 
And it's like 15 to 20 onions they've eaten. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's so many raw onions to eat. Like, once again, I feel like your stomach would not be no. happy. No. <laughs> the, the, I mean, really, the only reason we're led to believe that they're not vomiting is because somehow the combination of peaches and onions is a magical, perfect, yes. beautiful combination of yes. ingredients. I think so. So we have a cut back to Stanley's parents. And suddenly, his dad's inventions are just immediately. Working. Because he accidentally knocks the peaches into the pot of onions. So obviously, Stanley did break the curse. Hi, Emmy. Listeners, my, my sister's daughter is here now. Hello. Can you say hi? She says, no, I'm good. She's shy. I'm good. <laughs> so suddenly dad's inventions are working. And my first thought is, okay, he figures out like the actual solution to something he's been working toward for a decade or so. And then later on, Stanley starts experiencing good luck. And my thought is like, not only was the curse broken, but you seem to have extremely good luck now. So listeners, we're, uh, Chris is taking a brief hiatus to take care of her sweet little daughter. Alice and I are going to continue momentarily. Yes. So uh, Stanley's dad suddenly has his invention just work out. He's cracked the case. Uh, Stanley himself experiences a lot of good luck after this. And my question is just, it seems like the curse was not only reversed, but now suddenly they have really good luck. What do you think, Kristen? No, actually, you make a really good point that had not occurred to me up until that point, that it's not just the absence of bad luck. It's it's really, really good luck all of a sudden. Maybe it's just, maybe it built up over several decades i don't know that's a good maybe point. it's like retribution like now that you've had bad luck for several decades or a century like a century and a half you now are getting all of that paid back to you like your luck is uh i don't know like you're getting more of it because you lost yeah it so maybe long? maybe or it could have something to do with i mean all these curses are being broken at the same time so there's some amount of yeah, payback, some kind of like good juju, good energy that's released all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't know. That's I a great know. point. Also, it could just be like maybe Madame Zeroni like was always going to give them good luck. And mm. instead he turned that to bad luck, but then it became good luck. Yeah, Perhaps. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Perhaps. And I have to say that uh, this, along with earlier in a previous episode, I said that one of my most iconic memories from this movie was uh, Madame Zeroni saying, if you forget to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain, you and your family will be cursed for always in eternity. My other one is, I don't smell anything. Yep. I smell nothing. I smell nothing. Yes. That stuck with me for, and again, just Henry Winkler is one of those people that just moving, breathing, everything is iconic. He does such good instincts as a performer. I adore him wholeheartedly. Absolutely agree. Um, so, uh, oh, this is, okay, my notes. I'm just reading them. They ate like 15 onions. Wow. Oh, that's a lot. And then Zero admits that he stole the shoes. Mm. And we start to get this talk about destiny. And I do think it's destiny. And I love Caveman's reaction 
That's like, it's no, not I think I was meant to be for here. a second. Yes. At yeah. no point do we have to deal with the issue of like, how could you do this to me? He just understands. He sees the whole picture. He understands, oh, this is where it was all supposed to happen. I understand now. Absolutely. And yeah, he really hits that home of like, no, I think we were always supposed to be here. And hello, Chris, are you back? Yes, I'm yeah. back. <laughs> All now. right. So where I want to start with us three is um, Stanley's lawyer shows up. And I love this actor. I don't, I don't remember her name, but she's one of my favorites. Uh, she she, she hadn't really done. Okay. Yeah. She, it looks like she's done like some, some, she hasn't had as huge a career. Uh, Chris, she's the anesthesiologist in Nip Tuck. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, I thought I recognized her. Lewis Saker said he based her on his wife. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I like that. So she shows up to say that Stanley's been released. Um, they're still hiding that he's not there. So she leaves in a huff, like, why won't you release him to me? And she says, oh, oh, why do I have written, you'll do as I say? Well, that's, yeah. So that's the scene with the henchmen where they're, she, that's the first time that we see the attorney and She's she, she's saying like this is ridiculous. You'll be hearing from me again. Everybody, all of the leadership at the camp is at a loss. They've never had an issue like this before, clearly, and they're just trying to pass the buck so hard because the warden says you'll do as I say, and and then Mr. The, Sir says yeah to, you'll do as I yeah. say yeah to and uh, I want to point mom. out that this was the scene that I noticed where Mr. Sir has a rattlesnake tattoo. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I did not notice that. Very interesting. I don't know what that means. Honestly, it looked worn enough that I wondered if it was actually John Voight's tattoo, but I couldn't find anything about that. So I think mm-hmm. it might be a character choice, which I really appreciated. So listeners, my sister stepped away for another minute with her kid, but we're going to keep going uh, because we get to Kate Barlow's death. I have a note here and it says, it. oops, I'm crying again. <laughs> As soon, as soon as Sam appears, well, not even before Sam appears, so she's she's sitting out there in the middle of the desert. She's she looks exhausted. We we see the weight of everything that she has gone through, and then she turns and Sam is there, and he's gonna take her. She says, "I'm so cold," and he says, "I can fix that." Oh. And we know that he can because he has the most gentlest. He has the gentlest spirit and we love him so much. And oops, I'm crying again. Oops, (laughs) exactly. God, he is so gentle and trustworthy. And I just, I want to be in Sam's arms. Like we all want to, listen, we all want to be in Sam's arms. And you know what? There is room for all of us there. (laughs) He can handle us all. There's enough delay to go around. What a sweet guy. We see that uh, Warden's grand, great great grandfather, I think, or whatever he is, great grandfather. The warden, the know. warden's grandfather. This is the warden's grandfather. grandfather. Okay, so uh, obviously they're looking for the loot. They don't get it, and and this is where we get into. I know you wanted to talk about this, Kristen. She says, uh, "It or uh, his girlfriend says it hasn't rained since the day they killed Sam," and then she tells him, "You." Your children and your children's children will dig for the next 100 years and won't find anything. Is she suddenly a witch who can make curses happen? No. So I have a theory. Uh, I, I wrote notes about this, but I didn't quite have an answer. Is it the place, right? Because all these curses are wrapped up in this place. Something Is it something about this place that causes 
destiny to be fulfilled in this, is this a special spot? But how does she know that they won't find anything? See, we don't know. I mean, she's, because we know that there is treasure, right? She's lying. Mm Mm-hmm, right. But she, it is, we don't know how much of that is her just cursing him with her dying breath as she's choosing to die or whether she knows that she's able to fulfill this in some way. We do know that, again, this is, this place has power. We don't know what kind of power and we don't know where it comes from. All we know is that the land accepts destiny as it's manifest. Mm. That when Sam died, it was raining and there was no more rain. Yeah. The land, the land accepts that destiny is allowed to shape it. Okay. The okay. land, the weather itself. I don't know why. We are given no explanation for this. All mm-hmm. we know, and I put in my notes too, that there is so much in this movie that we would consider to be ludicrously coincidental in any other movie, but it's all destiny. Yeah. Everything is tied up in the concept of destiny. I also really just wanted to say that I really appreciated the casting of Sigourney Weaver's grandmother who is the the woman that we see threatening patricia arquette in the scene we did a great job of casting her so she looks quite a bit like sigourney weaver no i agree and she was a really good actor i love the way she delivered her few lines like two or three yeah she only had two or three but she did great um so kate lets the lizard bite her and this is reminiscent of the rattlesnake bite and i'm like damn this is a hard world where people would rather be poisoned to death than in in like, ways that we are told are explicitly unpleasant and slow. Yes. Although they kind of lied because it looks like she might go painfully, but she goes quickly. She died in three seconds. Three seconds. Like I timed mm-hmm. it. It was unrealistically fast. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe they just assumed it was going to be painful. I don't know. But I did, I think we discussed this in an earlier episode, but I really appreciated that the trope is always, you know, oh, watch out for the things. They're going to kill you as a as a way of deterring people from running away yes. and then it turns out they're fine. I love that we see that this is not true. These things are unbelievably deadly. Yes. They're fictionally deadly. These lizards are not real, I learned doing research. Totally. So, uh, Caveman and Zero go to the site of the chest and uh, they start digging. Oh, and here's an inconsistency. Uh, They start digging and sunrise is upon them. We can see them at the dig site. But then when Zero goes to grab another shovel, it's pitch. It's night again. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's just a little goof. It happens. No movies. It's hard to to get sunrise and sunset exactly right. uh, So I understand. But just wanted to point that out. And then they find the chest and the warden and Mr. Sir find them and the lizard's are everywhere. This is a huge scene. What are your immediate thoughts, Kristen? Mm, I appreciated that they hide his name on the chest for so long. It's the reveal is so good. Later on, we learn that this chest has Stanley's name on it. And again, it ties so perfectly back into just everything we've, I've said it I, I have in my notes over and over again, nothing is wasted in this movie. But the warden immediately starts talking about how this is her property. It's on her found property, right? It's hers. And she even says, like, they stole it out of my 
out of my room or whatever. And of course, we tie back into the onions are a great anti-lizard treatment for yes. whatever reason. I don't know how right. the, I guess, yeah, they can like, in the same way that mosquitoes will go after people with high sugar content in their blood. Yeah. The lizards like can that. tell that you got onion onions in your bloodstream and they're, they're not into <laughs> it. So you're safe from lizards now. I also like that they incorporate Zero's uh, reading lessons and he's like, yes. Yeah. Is your last That's, name, your first name spelled backwards? Not a Love thing it. is wasted. In this movie, not even, we didn't even address this, but the fact that when they're drinking the sploosh in the upside down boat, Zero is able to read the name Mary Lou. Yes. And he's, I love that because it means nothing. We've discussed this already in an earlier episode that those flashbacks about Kiss and Kay Barlow, Sam and her relationship with Sam, those never tie back in for Caveman. No character in the present day ever learns who Sam is or mm-hmm. who Mary Lou is. That's a good But point. even yeah. so, that moment means so much to the viewer, even if it means absolutely nothing to the characters, yeah. which I, I appreciate. I love this moment so, so, so much. Uh, and then I-, I wanted to mention, we we got a, fit, a quick flashback of the warden and her grandfather. And she says, I'm tired of digging. And he says, that's too damn bad. And this is a gif all over the internet. I just wanted to acknowledge it. Oh, is it? I had no idea. Yes, yes. And I love it. It's such a relatable moment, though. Like, I feel myself in Sigourney Weaver as a kid going, like, I'm tired of digging. This is hard work. I don't want to do it. I'm a kid. Please, Dad. And he goes, that's too damn bad. You know? We've all had, or maybe we haven't all. Many of us, I think, have had those moments where as maybe maybe it was just us, but like we grew up outdoors. We've had those moments where we were like, I don't want to work anymore. And your parents are like, tough. That's what we do. Yeah. Zero notices yell gnats on the chest and they exit the hole because caveman gets upset and he's, you know, he just he decides. He gets so upset that he doesn't care about the lizards anymore. I think yeah. they've. They've gotten, they've been there all night. They've kind of come to realize mm-hmm. if they were going to bite us, they would have done it by now. Oh, and the warden, of course, is giving this story to, oh, and we need to say the lawyer has shown up with the police to figure out why they are not handing caveman over to her. Yes. So they show up, the boys that she's looking, the boy that she's looking for is in a hole covered in deadly mm-hmm. lizards, which is immediately going to raise a few questions. Mm-hmm. And And I want to say, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Please, 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 please. Well, I was just going to move it forward. They exit the hole and the lawyer takes the chest away and says that like it belongs to Stanley and we're just taking it. And I have questions for you and Chris if she comes back in time. But like, what is the legality of this? It was found on her property. I'm not like pro warden. I'm just saying like, can you really just take that off her property without an investigation and say, oh, well, because this kid's last name is on it. To be to be fair, it's not just his last name. It's his full name. Um, yeah, okay. I don't think that makes a difference legally speaking. That but still it, it could is, belong to many people. It is his full name. Um, uh, I'm going to say realistically, it, I don't do a lot of like, found buried treasure law um (laughs) it's not really my jurisdiction but i'm gonna say that most likely 
there would be some kind of, a, I think probably the lawyer could take it, but I think in real life, Sigourney Weaver would be able to file some kind of mm-hmm. petition on it or something. So she, she had make the argument legally speaking that she had some claim to it. I don't know that she yeah. would win, but I think it's, it's worth addressing. Oh, do we have Chris back? Yeah. Chris, have you heard any of this? So I've heard y'all talking about the legality of finding the treasure on Sigourney Weaver's property. I I honestly don't know what the laws are in Texas, but in some states, there's like a finder's keeper law. I do think some... I want to say that in some states, there's a pers- there's like a split. That's what I was kind of wondering. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the rules are in Texas. I do think that she would have a claim of some kind. That's I don't what I was think saying that- is that any attorney worth his salt would at least be able to file a petition saying, mm-hmm. you found this on this property. It may mm-hmm. have belonged to an ancestor once, but this is clearly not wealth that you felt entitled to over the years. So why did you feel entitled to it now? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Caveman says he won't leave without zero. And so, of course, Caveman's lawyer asks for Hector Zeroni's file, which is just a brilliant moment where she's like, just do it, Sigourney Weaver. They can't find it, and uh, she makes them take the heat for it. But in any case, this police officer in the background notices what's happening, and he goes, I'm ordering an investigation on this facility. And turns around and starts dialing a number and calls someone. And then about 30 seconds later, he's like, yeah, this place is under investigation. You're under arrest. I also have questions about the legality to, to be To be totally fair, he never arrests them. He says he wants to talk to them. He wants to question them. He or says, like, you guys them. sit down over here. They're being sure, which you have the right to do, but detaining is different from arresting. But can he... Get an investigation ordered that quickly just by calling one person? Eh, I mean, it honestly, it depends who he is. And we don't know who he is. We know he's in law enforcement. I don't think he's a beat cop. I think, to me at least, my takeaway is not that like she went to the local police department and was like, give me two of your beat cops. I think she, the attorney is clearly very good at her job, probably very well connected. She gives the air of being well connected. And I think she probably went to giving, giving the movie, let's give them the full benefit of the doubt here. Okay. She's, she looks very smart enough to go over that judge's head, maybe to somebody who's in charge of like child welfare or protective services, somebody in that area and says, Hey, Like this judge has been taking bribes to send kids to this particular camp. Maybe he's had questions about this camp before and this is his first time seeing it. And he's like, yes, confirming we are going to investigate this place that I already discussed to you. I am giving this movie so much benefit of the doubt. (laughs) But really the, the reason I'm able to do that is because we have no idea who this guy is. He's a man with sunglasses. That's what we're told. Yep. He's a man with sunglasses and a, and a, and a hat. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is this is not her first time functioning in this world, right? I mean, she is involved with these judges, with the prosecutors. She probably does have a contact that she can call and say, 
there's something really fishy going on here and you need to investigate now. Now, will the like cogs of like the wheel start turning at that moment? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're officially under investigation. Um, but do I think that she could probably like call someone that she knows in the department, a, a prosecutor that she has, you know, been across the the aisle from several times? Yes, I, I do the, think that. Okay. The I, I'm sure Chris knows the thing that turns wheels faster than anything, aside from money, which is always going to turn everything in the legal world is favors. If you owe somebody a favor, if they did something for you, yeah, you totally are going to be like, yeah, I have some free time tomorrow. Let's go out to this camp you're telling me about. Mm. Uh, I also want to throw out here just a note that I took that he says something to her, um, like, what kind of camp are you running here? And Sigourney Weaver, like, very solemnly goes, a nice one. <laughs> and then, and then they, for some reason, they ADR'd in a line about like, if the state would give us some money for a better filing system. And I was like, I don't know why we felt the need to ADR that in. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I think they were trying to maybe like, make her position more understandable. Like why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah, sure. Justify it a little. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit weird. And I felt that too. I just, I didn't feel the need. I loved, I, I was happy with it. Just her being like, I don't know, a nice one. I don't know. Yeah. She's so, <laughs> she knows her back's up against the wall. She's not yeah. stupid. She knows she's lost and she's just grumpy. So then caveman and zero are about to leave and armpit said, they're all giving them a goodbye. Armpit says, call my mom. And uh, this is, I mentioned this earlier in maybe episode one or two. Do they not have any phone privileges? Because like a regular jail, you have phone privileges. Uh, as juveniles who aren't even held to the same accountability, do they not get to ever, ever call? Because we see caveman writing to his mom, writing. This is what blows my phone. mind, right? Like why? Clearly they don't have, to me, clearly they don't have phone privileges. And if they don't have phone privileges because they're so careful about keeping tabs on what gets out, why are they allowed to just write letters willy-nilly? Yeah, the rules we, don't really make sense. No, because we you could also have him write that letter, it not get read, and then at the end they open it and you see all the letters that kids have written to people. But mm -hmm. there, there's communication. This is yeah. very, there's no getting around that this doesn't make sense to me. Agree. And then we find out that Mr. Sir's name is Mary. Mary, Marion, 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 like John Wayne. Oh, yeah, yes, Marion, yes, yes, like yes. John Wayne. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What do we think about how they say they say I didn't know Marion was a man's name, and he goes, "It isn't." It isn't. <laughs> that I don't know. What is that meant to imply? Well, first I of all, why know. is he? Why is he? I mean, to me, it kind of implied like his mom just gave him a girl's name for no reason, um, which is just meant to be something that they can laugh at him about because names carry so much importance here. But yeah. why, my bigger question is why is he like fully admitting to it and giving them more ammo? I don't get that either. That all and also sat it's wrong technically, with me. It's technically yeah. not true. Marion has become a woman's name only in like the 20th century, you know. Same it's, thing yeah. as like Ashley, like something yes. that was always yeah. a man's name but became one. Yeah. Yes. Right. I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's That's, weird. 
there at the, at the end of the movie there were a couple choices that I think we're noticing there are a few holes yes. right here at the end holes haha oh, uh, it, it rains and yeah. this is an iconic beautiful moment I mean of course it's uh I've nothing again. new but yes I also cried it was just a beautiful uh moment of you know redemption everything's gonna be okay they get to leave um I don't know if there's anything much to say about that, but well, I just do, wanted to... No, do they get to leave? Well, Stanley oh, no, and, and... You're right. In the episode, yeah, he says they all got yeah. put in real homes. You're yeah. right. But I just meant that Stanley and Zero were leaving. Yes. That's all I meant. Yeah. Um, and the warden is distraught. Everyone is dancing. She's distraught. And I had this thought when I was watching this that that's the moment when you realize you're the villain. She was watching them. Everyone is happy but her. Mm. Everything's working out for everyone else. Uh, Stanley found the chest. He's going to be rich. Zero's going to be rich. Everyone's going to be released from camp. Everyone's lives are going to be better. And she's going to probably go to prison. And everyone's dancing in the rain, super happy. And she's just looking out miserable. And I thought it was a really Mm -hmm. good moment of like, am I the problem? I'm the problem. It's me. Great. Now we have to pay money to Taylor Swift. <laughs> Not for one line. No, we don't. But... No, it it's it's interest it's an interesting kind of throwback to throughout the whole movie we have seen we have seen people throw blame on the kids throughout, right? Like this is your fault. You're here because it's your fault and you're a bad mm-hmm. person. His blood is on your hands. And we've seen the kids be more especially for the first half of the movie we see caveman being very willing to accept mm-hmm. that blame and consider that it might be his fault yeah. and at the end of the movie we see that turned around and the warden having to realize oh i think i have messed up i made some bad choices yeah well that's too damn bad <laughs> too damn bad <laughs> yes okay also i have a question can they really Legally, again, I'm asking you guys as like legal professional uh, professionals, can they take Hector with them? Is that plausible? Uh, he's a ward of the state. I guess if the police take him. I... Yeah. And he's also, ooh, they're destroying. So she says like, we don't have a file on him, which is kind of explained as to how, that's the explanation that the movie gives for how they're able to take Hector because like his file is gone. Therefore he kind of doesn't exist. But his file has only been destroyed in their filing system. He still exists elsewhere. So, yeah, I guess it would have to be, he's a ward of the state. The state can technically put him wherever he wants or wherever it wants. The the lawyer is clearly well-connected. So I think, and good at her job. So I think she could probably move some things around and get him placed with, right? Because it's kind of more or less implied or do we agree that the Yelnats's adopt Hector? Well, his mom comes back. Oh, his mom comes back. You're right. right. You're right. But but I'm also assuming her parental rights have been terminated. Oh, because, we have so many yeah. questions about this. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so let's move on to that. Um, before we do, though, quick thing. They open the chest at the Yelnats' house, and they have a $25,000 banknote from 1905. And, and the world's was- cheapest costume jewelry ever. Yes. 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 Disney, and- could- Disney, you couldn't spring for anything that looked remotely realistic. <laughs> I know. It does just look like, hey, here's what treasure looks like. I genuinely, it has been a minute since I saw this movie. It looked so cheap cheap and piratey mm. treasure when they opened it that I couldn't remember if it was going to be a fake out of he was carrying fake jewelry for his costume troupe. <laughs> totally. <sighs> so so then um, the mom asks Stanley, how much is that worth? Why? <laughs> he just knows. <laughs> Why would your 15 year old kid know more about you or more than you about like conversion I don't Do you think really... that implies that he's gotten more formal education than the other two have? That his parents? Seems... Maybe. I mean, his mom has I a big, heavy Southern accent, which might imply like GED. I can say that I'm Southern. <laughs> I I think that it's unrealistic that Stanley would know that. that I do just, too. just in general. He, he responds with, oh, it's worth millions now. I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I realize it's AT&T, so you've got to think that it's worth, yeah. you know, That's something. True. But, That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, what is what I will say is we've been saying throughout the whole the whole podcast so far that this is a perfect movie. And now we're, we're at the end, and I think all the plot holes are revealing themselves. Yes. It's so tight yes. up until the last 20 minutes when they he was, like, stitching things together hastily. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. speaking of plot holes, uh, Zero finds his mom. He hires the team of private investigators. What do y'all think of this? A team of one person standing in the background. <sighs> I mean, again, we have so many questions about Zero's mom in general. I just, uh, where has she been? Um, why didn't she fight? I mean, did she fight to keep her parental rights? I mean, that's a process in family court. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a the very state, intense process. Yes. The state has to make a case that her parental rights are going to be terminated. And it's assumed that she doesn't show up to court because he's never seen her again. Mm. So hmm. I guess, you know, has she been looking for him? Was right. she, Turn, I mean, turns out she's she, been looking for him too. How hard? Like, was she sex trafficked? I mean, we really don't know anything. I guess she could have been in a situation that she couldn't have gotten out of easily. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to say. That easily was the biggest question mark that I had at the end of watching all of this. Because, yeah, she just comes up out of nowhere. And it's just because we want a happy ending. This is another area where... I'm very interested to see what the book will have to say about this, but me too. I I don't know that it it felt a little too convenient. Like we said in an earlier episode, is it how interesting that she's able to be found when he becomes a millionaire? Yeah. Okay. What if mom and son being separated was due to this maybe curse that they're under as well. And so the system has been working against them because they're cursed. Ooh, I like that. So 
Just just to build on what you had mentioned earlier, Kristen, I think that that could be a possible explanation, but also is a convenient answer to tie everything up in a pretty little bit. Which, which again, we have said multiple times, so much of this movie doesn't make sense until you accept that curses are real, that destiny yes. is real, that these, yes. these three families' fates, the Warden's family, the Zeroni family, and the Yelnats family, they're all intertwined in ways that we can't understand or necessarily make sense of but all three mm-hmm. families tie together yes so zero does a sick flip into the pool um he's just living his best life and then we get the iconic sploosh commercial this is our final moment of the movie uh what do you guys think about the commercial surprisingly sexual yeah <laughs> It is. Yeah, it was. It was. It was uh, like unnecessarily, unnecessarily sexual. sexual. For Agreed. a kids' movie, like, uh. yeah, his wife is like turned on in this. Commercial. Oh yeah, <laughs> she hundred percent feet that smell good. Yeah. She loves oh, yeah. those sweet feet. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> peculiar. But it was. It was very comforting that Stanley was able to redeem himself with sweet feet. Yeah. Um, yes, his yeah. hero, you know, that, that was also a nice way to end things. Oh yeah. And he's, he's like there with them watching. Yes. It. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Was that was lovely. I agree. Um, we're pretty much running out of time, but what are your final impressions of this movie? Having seen it with adult eyes now. Chris, you first. I mean, it's, Chris, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, as good as I remember it. I mean, I feel like, generally speaking, the whole thing holds up. I, I I mean, we've mentioned a few tiny little things like CGI and, you know, editing that's outdated. But I think it's just classic, a classic Disney movie, too. <laughs> Kristen, what do you think? I, I'm pretty much on the same page. Now that we've been going over the final 20 minutes or so of the movie... I am finding more plot holes than I remembered. And I I wish that some of those had been resolved a little bit better. But on the whole, pretty much exactly what Chris said, aside from the outdated slow-mo, which I think just wasn't necessary, and the god-awful CGI, that, gosh, this movie is still so tight. It's so... I'm shocked at these boys that they found, the camaraderie that they all had, this the insane chemistry and star power of the adults. It it's it may not be perfect, like I said in the beginning, but it's darn close. Very close. I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's an incredible Wholeheartedly, movie. you said? Yes. Ah <laughs> I didn't even mean to make a pun. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think it's incredible. I want to revisit something we said in the first episode, which is no time was wasted. No Mm -mm. second is wasted. Absolutely Every second of this movie is valuable. It's moving the plot forward. It's giving us character development. It's, It's entertaining. I think it's a fantastic movie. And regardless of a few small issues or plot holes. Small issues. Yeah, sure. I give it like a 95% out of 100. Wait, wait, like, wait. We, no, no, no. If we're going to do our own podcast, we have to have our own rating ooh. system. Okay, okay. First of all, I think it should be out of five because that's easier to rate things out of. Okay. Five what? Five. I give this 
four out of five splooshes. Four Ooh, out of five canes yes. of sploosh. You give it four out of five? Can we round? Because otherwise I would say 4.5. 4. Uh, 4.5 splooshes. You can do points, yeah. Okay, 4.5 4. 5 splooshes. Okay, Chris, how many for you? How many splooshes? I'm also at, I'm also at 4.5 splooshes. Okay, I thought I might be the biggest critic, but I'm going to give it 4.7. Wait, can we do that? Is that, a, is that legal? I feel like halves are our limit. <laughs> Come on. Come on, use your imagination, people. <laughs> Fine, if I can only do well, halves. Uh, you know what? No, I'll allow it. I'll, Your Honor, I'll allow it. <laughs> 4.7 cans of... 4.7 mason jars of sploosh, which yes. averages out to... Hang on, let me calculate Ooh, this real quick. Conversion. We're gonna, we're gonna get an exact rating. Hang on, hang on, hang on. 4.5 plus 4.5 plus 4.7, and then you divide it by three to get the average, right? Yeah, it's probably 4.6, right? Or 4.5 uh, and a half? 4.5, 7, wrong with my calculator. It says it's 10 and 30 and 17 out of 30. That's not right. Hang on. 4.5 plus 4.5 plus 4.7. Yeah, okay. Divided by 3. Jeez, sorry. My phone. Wow, my phone has achieved the singularity that's really worrying but we're going to deal with that later all right so that means that the movie holes has achieved a rating of 4.56 repeating cans of sploosh (laughs) i'm silently clapping we're gonna figure out what's wrong with my phone telling me that the average of those three numbers is 10 later oh all right, you guys. Thank you so. Oh, are we gonna hear from Emmy? I was gonna Emmy, see what if are your she thoughts? wanted. Emmy, can, can you say sploosh? how many splooshes? How many splooshes? <laughs> can you <laughs> can you say one, two, three? She's like, nah. You're like encouraging not. her to give it a low rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. she can only count Wait. to threes. <laughs> Okay, well, we're not going to take her both. <laughs> All right, anyway. let's call it a day. I yes. think we did very well. Thank you guys for tuning into this four-part series of the movie Holes. Um, it, this obviously went on way longer than we thought it would, so we appreciate you tuning in. And next is the book, which isn't that long, so hopefully uh, won't get extended further than necessary. But please order your book or rent it from the library if you want to read along with us. That's probably the best way to do it. We hope you do. Any final thoughts, Chris and Kristen? Dig it up. Uh, Dig it up and uh, eat your onions. Everybody, I can't stress this enough. Eat your onions. Eat your onions. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you have the time, guys, please rate and review us. It would mean the world. It bumps us up in the algorithm as a new podcast. It's huge. Also, word of mouth is going to be the biggest way to share this podcast. So if you know any decrepit millennials that need a little slice of happiness in their life, a little bump of nostalgia, please, please share with them. Uh, We would super appreciate it. All right. Tune in soon for the next episode. We love you.